Hello and welcome to episode 1154 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, March 10th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this morning by not just Justin Mason, but also special guest, Eric Samolsky. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I know it's very early for you, Justin. Eric, I believe you're on the East Coast, right? I am. Yeah. So it's, it's not a little early day. for me. It's, it's um, early, but, but it's just... not not crazy no not just it's not just an early yeah yeah we got plenty to talk about and we are in a little bit of a time crunch so let's just dive right in eric's going to join us eric and i were actually in the same tgfbi league which we are crawling to the finish line we started oh wait you guys are still not done yeah, we just, oh we, we finished. just finished yeah with uh yeah. with a jason dominguez final pick to wrap up that's right i thing. i finished and then i closed it out so i didn't see because i was the first pick of the last round so oh okay. I guess it finished yesterday, but yeah, just finished. So we started slow, got going at a normal pace for a while, and then kind of crawled to the very yeah. end of the finish line there. Um, but it, it, just, yeah, it, it did finish yesterday. You took Brian Anderson from me with your last pick and then closed the whole thing down. That's exactly it. I, it. Yeah. Because I'm, I have Raz Slam, so I had two drafts going. I was like, okay, I can take one of these off the board. That'll be great. But uh, yeah, we're actually going to talk some TGFBI versus uh, other ADPs at the NFBC. But we got some news to talk about first, and it's not good. Of course, in spring, it's usually bad news. It's usually injury news. And we're going to start with the Yankees and Carlos Rodon <sighs> shut down with a forearm strain. Velo was way down in a start. You know, he's throwing like 92 uh, down from like 98, which was pretty scary. Uh, Eric, let's start with you on this Carlos Rodon injury. He obviously has major health history. Does this take him off your board? Are you moving him way down? Or are you going to try to take advantage of a potential discount here with Carlos Rodon? Because obviously the price will drop. Where do you stand currently? Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move him down, not take him fully off. Um, I know that, you know, you, you try to like read through the tea leaves with the rhetoric and, you know, they're – shutting him down for seven to 10 days from throwing. And then they're going to try to like reevaluate him. His quote yesterday was something to the extent of like, I'm not here to that. Basically he could pitch through it. I'm not, but he said like, I'm not here to pitch to the all-star game. I'm here to last through the whole season. Mm -hmm. So instead of trying to pitch through it now, he's going to rest and get healthy. So like there's enough, there's enough being said that I'm kind of like, I don't want to, fully um you know turn the page but also you know you guys had this conversation when you, you know weeks ago when you were talking about Tyler Glass now and mentioned the like 300 inning post Tommy John um honeymoon that I think you know Jeff Zimmerman talked about and Rodon has hit that he's yeah. over 300 innings the last two years so that does open up the possibility that like may, yeah maybe the honeymoon is is over um okay. so I think you got to discount a little bit but um but I'm not going to fully remove. Okay. I think, I think that that's, that's a fair way to play it. I'm going to move him down as well. I already did. I kind of sliced off a handful of innings. Justin, what are you doing with Carlos Rodon here? You know, I, already, I only had him for 177 innings, which isn't crazy. So I'm moving him down a little bit. That's going to push him down the board. I'm eager to see where he goes. What are you doing? Moving off, moving down or buying in? Yeah. So like, I like updated my projections for all the injured players on Wednesday and, in that process, I actually moved him up my ranks, uh, like right before this happened. Um, and I even like texted like you uh, and uh, Jason and Eno. We have a little text uh, uh, kind of uh, thread thing that we do. I was like, anybody worried about Rodon throwing ninety two? And like, and I think all of you guys are like, nah, it's fine. And I was like, I'm gonna go watch him. And of course, like the uh, the. Uh, miles per hour were not available on that telecast. I was like, well, this is useless. Um, and I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to bump him up. I think I bumped him up to like 165 innings or something like that. Uh, In fairness, I didn't answer. So yeah. uh, okay. I, I don't want I don't want to take heat on that. Let's yeah. blast <laughs> Eno and Jason there. They yeah. said it was fine. Double down. Mm -hmm. Buy as much as you can. Let's crush that, them on it. I didn't And answer. that had moved him up to five in my starting pitchers. Ooh. Um you know, because it's on a burning basis. I think he's he's really really good. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, now this has happened. He's completely off my board. I know you guys said you know you're just moving him down. Like I just, I'm not gonna mess with this when I when I'm drafting my first starting pitcher, which is where you have to take a guy like Rodon in order to get him. Sure. Uh, 
you want a guy who's gonna deliver innings and sure, at sure, this sure, point sure. i just don't know that you can bank on that um and so yeah he's i'm probably gonna drop him below 100 innings uh and and he wow. will he will not be on yeah you will not get my roster yeah. at all yeah so it, it depends where he goes where he drops down to for me because i am i am slicing off a handful of innings only had him at one seventy-seven. What did you put him at? I, I went one. I went one thirty for right now. Oh wow. Okay, so maybe I'm too high. I don't know. I, I put him at one fifty-eight. Okay, and and that moved him down to SP twenty-three for Carlos Rodon. Which, if the market doesn't come down quite a bit, then I'm definitely not going to get him still. But I was. I guess I maybe I'm giving too much credence to his whole thing about like I could pitch through it right now, but I want to stay yeah. healthy, so I want to have more innings. So. That's where I'm at right now. I'm probably here's the thing, probably still gonna look at it in a situation like that and pick guys that are still around him more. So maybe I should. Maybe it's one of those things where it's like you're not taking him there anyway. So why do you still have Rodon there? You know, because now he's next to Christian Javier, um, Framber Valdez, Zach Gallant. Those are the guys that he's around on my list, and I'll take all of them ahead of him right now. So he still won't I mean, win the tiebreakers against guys. So maybe it's not even worth having Rodon that high for me. And I mean, here's here's what the way I'm looking at it, um, and the way I think you should look at it too. So I'm going to try to sway you a little bit. So let's say like if he's back in seven to ten days, you know, he's still not making the opening day um, roster, right? Like, so like Max, like. Even if he's totally fine, so let's say in 10 days he's fine, he goes to rehab assignment, gets you know built up, uh, you know, and makes his debut late April, right? You're looking at best 160 innings, like at best, if he then makes pretty much every turn in the rotation. Mm-hmm. There's also a pretty good chance that you see zero innings from him this year. So split the difference, give him 80 innings, and where does 80 innings put him? It's probably going to put him out yeah. outside of the top eighty starting pitchers yeah, easily. There, I mean, because I don't have, I don't have Rodon as good on a per inning basis as you do. I, I had the the park kind of hitting him for some homers. I know he's a lefty, so he can mitigate some of that. But I already had Rodon boosting up a bit, shifting back to the American League, coming over to the AL East, having a transition year anyway. Um, so I already had him for a three twenty eight ERA which is still good, but obviously you, you throw in everything else and it, it's not looking good. Bottom line is I think right now I wouldn't draft him. So maybe I shouldn't, I just shouldn't have him that high in general. Yeah. I, I just want to say, I, I think it yeah. does make Clark Schmidt even more interesting as a, as yeah. a late round pick because he was battling Domingo Herman for a spot. I was more interested in, in Schmidt anyway, because I think there's yeah. more upside with him. We know he's going to start the year in the rotation now. Um, well, and, and that's be in Montas, until, Rodon, right. and Cortez all dealing with stuff. Right. And I think Cortez will start the year in the rotation, at least. It's trending like he might not be on the I.L. But mm-hmm. we know that Schmidt will probably at least get, like, two, maybe three turns before, like, Rodon's potentially back. Yeah. And that gives him a little bit of leash to beat uh, out Domingo Herman. And I just – I. I'm interested in, in what he's doing. His sinker sucked last year. He's throwing a cutter more this year. So, like, maybe he's kind of, you know, getting rid of his worst pitch or, or using it less. Um, so, yeah, I think as a late-round pick, you know, Clark Schmidt has more interest to me now than he did, you know, two days ago. I agree with some Clark Schmidt love as well. Uh, definitely, like, 15-teamers. Uh, you know, that's a spot where I'm looking for him. If you're still doing DCs, definitely want to get in on him there. Let's talk some Dodger news. And we got some bad news over there too. This guy's like, you know what, Justin, you were talking about how you do um, these articles of like this year's so-and-so. And And one of yours was uh, this year's Adelise Garcia, the guy that the market is off on for the right reasons, but then all of a sudden they get burned because he ends up being good. Before this news, I feel like maybe Tony Gonsolin could have been that guy because everyone's kind of afraid of him, uh, you know, really pushing him down, worried that he's going to get hit by the um, uh, by the shift changes, et cetera, et cetera. And yet it was like, okay, well, maybe that's too too good of a price. Well, now here comes the injury justifying all of it. So maybe he's not this year's Adelise Garcia, uh, but he's unlikely to make opening day. Like I said, market was already cool on him. I don't know if you were as well, Justin. I'll start with you here. 
Where do you currently stand on Gonsolin, and did you adjust his rankings down as well? I haven't yet, but I'm, I'm definitely going to need to. Like, I, I wasn't super high on him anyways. I, it's not as much the the shift stuff uh, and the defense behind him stuff that a lot of other people are concerned with. It's health for me. I mean, I know he's got an ankle injury right now, but he was having real issues with a forearm and elbow last year mm -hmm. uh, that limited towards the end of the season, and I just don't want to play with that. Um, you know, ultimately, I think an ankle issue isn't going to be that big of a deal in the long term. Obviously, it's going to uh, make sure he doesn't make the opening day rotation and starts on the IL. But I don't care that much about an ankle injury. Uh, you know, as long as it's not an arm issue. My bigger, my biggest issue for him is that uh, he had this kind of elbow, forearm soreness issue last at the end of last year, uh, and I just that kind of stuff is precursor Tommy John and I just don't want to mess with it. So he's, he's already been off my board for the most part. Um, now he's completely off. Board. I, I would give more credence to an ankle though. It is, um, let me see. I'm thinking about it. It would be his land landing ankle. There as his mm -hmm. left ankle, your base is very important for getting strength and everything too. So I wouldn't even say if it's going to keep him out this much, a left ankle sprain sprains are tears, um, you know, the sprain makes it sound lesser than it is. I think what people forget sprains are tears. So it's not a fracture, but it is a tear. That's not great. And I think there is, you know, some heat to this, if it's going to cost him that much time to where he's not going to make the opening day roster, Tony Gonsolin, like I said, was already somebody that the market was cool on. I don't really see any world where I'm getting him either. I sliced off 20 innings from him. He's down to 121 for me. That put him at 102. Uh, start, starting pitcher or pitcher 102, including uh, including relievers. So I, I don't think I'm getting him anyway. I'm not too worried about it at this point. Eric, where do you come out with Tony Gonsolin right now after the ankle injury is going to keep him uh, or keep him from making the opening day roster? Yeah, I think what you said makes sense. Like I, I didn't see him throwing more than like 140 anyway. So if you're going to take starts away, you got to knock that down 120 at, at the top end. Um, I had no problem with him before I had no shares just because it didn't work out that way, mm -hmm. but I wasn't like actively avoiding him. You know, I think we all knew that the 214 ERA wasn't repeatable and, yeah. you know, there was going to be some regression and he's not a big strikeout pitcher. So you're going to get a fine, you're going to get fine ratios and probably wins, but not 16 wins. Um, so I, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I think he's somebody I, if I was just still doing a draft and hold, you know, if he goes super, super late, like I might say, okay, 120 innings from a pitcher on a good team is still valuable to me. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really all that interested. I also think like the two guys battling for his spot are intriguing, you know, Ryan Pepio and, and Michael Grove. Uh, yes. They both look good. They both look good so far this spring. Um, I think there's, there's um, reasons to take a gamble on both in like 15 team leagues at the end of a draft, because maybe they hold on to the spot. Um, you know, it's not like the, it's not like the Dodgers rotation is a picture of health uh, <laughs> other than Gonsolin. Right. So, you know, if, uh, if these young kids pitch, continue to pitch well, um, you know, there's, there's some value for them there. So um, I'm keeping an eye on Gonsolin. Like when he comes back and healthy, I think, you know, you could get, a good stretch run from him where he's, you know, valuable pick off the waiver wire in a 12 team league or something like that. If, if people have totally moved on from him. Yeah. I mean, there Gonsolin can be good. I, I like Gonsolin as a pitcher, just worried about this here. As far as drafting him, I just don't like to invite early injury. You know, Scott Pianowski talks about it all the time uh, as a strategy to avoid. And I, I tend to agree with it. I don't really want guys that already have built in missed time. What doesn't mean I won't take guys who are risks, you know, that have elevated risk because of their injury history. But if you're already on the IL, you're already slated for the opening day IL, it's a low chance that I'm going to take you. And, you know, obviously Beeler's out for the year with his TJ. Now Gonsolin does open the door for Pepio and Grove right now. And then Bobby Miller, Gavin Stone are guys that are going to be in the high minors looking to make an impact during the year as well. So we talked about a lot on offense, how the Dodgers are going to have a bit of a youth movement this year. The whole team could have a bit of a youth movement and, Given the depth of their system and the and the kind of talent that they churn out, I still think it could be a pretty damn good year. But it is really interesting that they're not as ironclad excellent as they have been in recent mm -hmm. years. In fact, 
Uh, they're not going with the kid movement here with this other guy we want to talk about, but their outfield has been kind of up in the air uh, where they have considered some young guys, but they're also considering an oldie, an oldie but goodie, a guy I cannot stop rooting for. I definitely hope that there is something to the swing change with Jason Hayward, and it's looking like the non-roster invite is going to make opening day. I believe he's off to a pretty solid start in spring. Jason, or Justin, are you going to take Jason Hayward in any sort of league right now? I know you're done with DCs, which is obviously the easiest spot to I'm say. not. I got one more DC to oh, do. Oh, okay, okay. I, so then I, you're not uh, done with DCs. But I know that's that's the, kind of the easy spot. But I want to put you to the test anyway. Don't worry about taking him in that league. Are you going to take him in a, in a redraft with seven reserves type, no. type of league like that? No, I I don't think in like a, even a 15-team. What like, about an NL? League. I guess you can make him a He's reserve. Probably a reserve. Pick. Yeah, yeah. Jason Hayward's probably a reserve. There. I mean, here's the thing: like, do we really think Trace Thompson's the answer in center field? No, and I've been saying and, that all offseason. And by the way, I'm yeah. not acting like I'm yeah no, no, no. that over everyone. Else. I've been with but, you. I didn't think yeah. they were going to be starting with James Outman and, and Trace Thompson in the outfield. exactly. And you know, um, Hayward can handle it with the glove. It's just a matter of can he get enough bat production? Yeah, and I mean, I so I think why not have them be kind of platoon partners in center and you know Hayward, Hayward getting the strong side and Trace Thompson getting the uh the weak side of that platoon so yeah I mean I think he's gonna be viable in NL only and in draft champions or DC's uh draft and hold leagues uh I mean do I like think that the Dodgers have turned back the clock and made him back into what we thought he might turn into uh no but I mean in, in those kind of leagues, you need plate appearances. But when, when was last? Don't look it up. I'm I'm gonna guess 2013. <laughs> I'm not. I, I can't count 2020. Jason Hayward. I'm sorry. He no. did have a 129 OPS plus that year. You either have to count 2019 if you if you think 100. You know, league average is is okay. 21. No, homers, you said skills, good, not average. Good, it'd be yeah. 2015. So you're actually kind of close. Oh, 13 yeah. homers, 23 steals, a 117 OPS plus for St. Louis for Jason Hayward. So yeah, I think that would be the last time that he was good. Um, so it has been a while. Again, rooting for him. This is one where like my heart is in it, but I still need to see more in spring before I'm diving in. Yeah. He does have a couple homers. But he's four, you know, four for eighteen. I don't want to parse all the yeah. all the spring numbers. Got a little bit of pop showing, but apparently there is a swing change. Does that get you interested at all in Jason Hayward here, uh, Eric? No. Okay, I, thought, um, I think that's fair. I don't know if we have to go any deeper than that. By the way, yeah. what do you think about like Outman and I, some of those other guys? I, then. So I actually, um, I, I had James Anderson on um, my podcast, The Catcher's Corner, earlier this week, and James was actually pumping up. <laughs> James Outman. James um, pumping up James. Yeah. And and so, you know, I listen, I think that Outman was was good last year, very small sample size at, at the major league level. He's looked good in spring um so far. Looked better than Hayward. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, yeah, you cooking. know, especially if you you know, I like using the you know, the opponent quality on on baseball reference, right? Yep. So uh, Jason Hayward's opponent quality is 7.2, which is basically double A pitching, and he's hitting 222 um, with those two home runs, right? Uh, now, Outman's opponent quality is 7.5, so it's the same, but he's hitting 400. He's got a home run. He's got, you know, he's got a triple. He's got some good speed. He's, you know, I, I just find it a more interesting profile um, than, than Jason Hayward. Plus, I also looked this up when we were talking about him. Um, he has a, a a rock. He has a pet rock that he keeps in his locker that he calls Rocka, and he feeds it coffee before every game. Outman and it has? is the yeah, and it is okay. the weirdest thing that I have heard. And I just I I like I don't know how you don't want to root for a guy. I, I appreciate that, that has here. a rock yeah. in his locker. It feeds he feeds coffee before every game. So he's, you know uh, he's before his time. You know their pet rocks were famous back in the 70s i believe and james outman's trying to bring it back so so good for him on that one he's definitely someone to watch uh, i like andy pajes too and he is on the 40 johnny deluca is also on the 40 that's a guy that uh, eric longhanger brought mm -hmm. him up when we were talking about the dodgers as well so they've got some guys hayward obviously we know the defense is ironclad that's never really been in question and but if he's not offering enough bat, then I don't know if it's. And that's the, that's the problem for Outman is with Hayward making the team, and Chris Taylor there as well. Like Outman can't play center. 
And yeah. so Trace Thompson's going to have to make this team uh, as yeah. either the you know main center fielder or the backup center fielder to Hayward. And by uh, the way, and, the 40 is full. So somebody yeah. will need to be booted for Hayward to get on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just I don't see the path. There will be a path because, I mean, like I think Paul mentioned in the beginning of this topic, like this is an old team that has a lot of injury risk, and not just in the rotation, right. but uh, in the field as well. We've already seen Gavin Lux. Uh, you know, bring that done up. for the season. Um, and so, like, this will work itself out one way or another, but at least to start, like, I don't think Outman's on this team. I wonder yeah, if... yeah, that's the clarifying point. I didn't mean, like, from the start. I just yeah, think, no. I think Outman is more... Um, I find Outman more interesting for the season. Like, like I've been taking you know, him in DCs all, all, all right. season. Also, Trace Thompson is 32, which I yeah. also didn't realize. Not right? So it's not like it's not like he's a young guy they need to nope. get in and score too. Like if he struggles the first few weeks, month out of the gate, like they could just decide, listen, this isn't a thing anymore. Um, and then maybe they flip it without him. And he gets, you know, Thompson gets DFA'd. Who knows? Like Justin said, there's so many pathways for it. I just can't see the Dodgers, given where they want to be at the end of the year really rolling out Jason Hayward or Trace Thompson for more than like a month at the beginning of the season. Well, and David Peralta is also on the 40 and penciled in as the strong side left fielder. I think uh, that's where Hayward's spot could come from because Peralta's not having a good mm-hmm. spring. And if that continues, I think they, I think that they just DFA Peralta and Hayward takes that spot. Yeah. So. It is interesting the the old and young combinations of this of this team here with the Dodgers. There could be some really young. Uh, there can really be some young guys who make impacts. Though, speaking of old, Miami is on some bullshit. I don't even know what they're up to. They signed Jose Iglesias and Yuli Gurriel to minor league deals. Guys, I don't really want to talk about those two of you. Want to give a passing thought on Yuli Gurriel because he's been a good hitter in the past, sure. But what I'm curious about is what this does because they now have a roster crunch. And I'm wondering who's the odd man out. You know, there's been some Brian De La Cruz love coming into the year, which I totally understand. Um, Jesus Sanchez still has his believers. He's out of options. De La Cruz is not. Uh, obviously, the guys like Soler and Avicel Garcia, they're out of options. Where does everyone fit here on this ball club? Or does one of uh, Iglesias or Gurriel actually start the season in the minors? And that's how it's resolved. Eric, let's start with you. What What's up with this roster crunch in Miami? What the heck are they doing? Well, I can't answer what the heck they're doing because I, I have no idea. No um, and, you know, we joked about it and we did the pot of Palooza about what were they doing in the middle infield with, you know, Wendell and Arias. And I think they maybe realized that also. And they went out and got Iglesias because at least – he can play good defensive shortstop. Yeah. Um, you know, behind a um, a staff that has some heavy ground ball pitchers. Um, listen, I don't I don't know how much you want to put stock in in spring results. We try not to. Um, Jesus Sanchez is outplaying Brian De La Cruz so far. Um, Jesus Sanchez has no options. Brian De La Cruz has two options left. Yep. So there's an easy avenue to just say, okay. Brian De La Cruz is going to start the year in AAA. Jesus Sanchez is going to start the year up, and and we're good. Um, but I just I don't really know that you do that with somebody who showed, you know, in over 115 major league games last year, like De La Cruz did, that that he can handle, you know, he can handle a job. Exactly, um, and what's he proven in the minors anymore? Right. So I think I think the most realistic option is they try to use Jesus Sanchez's solid spring to move him. Um, that could be the and, avenue. And, and you know that and that's intriguing to me because he's only 25 years old, Jesus Sanchez. Like mm-hmm. he's not done, right? There there are some issues in his approach. There's some issues with the swing and miss. Like we all know that, but you know we're just talking about a career renaissance for a 33 year old Jason Hayward <laughs> like we can't we can't get some a new and improved swing from a 25 year old Jesus Sanchez depending on where he ends up so um i think that's probably the most realistic pathway is that he moves um and then you're back to like okay so now if, if Brian De La Cruz isn't platooning with um Jesus Sanchez like maybe he's now we talked about this before we started recording now he's splitting at bats with like Garrett Cooper, who gets pushed off of first base. 
Well, yeah. but Cooper's a righty. So you're now talking about Brian De La Cruz not splitting at bats with with Jesus Sanchez, um, who, you know, hits lefty. Um, but you're – oh, sorry. Yeah. Who, but you're talking about a, a right-handed guy. So you, you don't have to worry about, like, strong side, weak side. And I think it makes Brian De La Cruz a little safer, actually. It would be wild – for a team so desperate for offense to be trading Jesus Sanchez, but they've put themselves in this bind with the Abisail Garcia and Jorge Soler signings. And like, you know, maybe this is why you don't make both of those signings, right? Cause they're kind of overlap anyway. They kind of do a lot of the same stuff and you knew you had a bunch of young outfielders. So did you really have to go for both? There, there has gotta be, I, I think Eric's right. Like there's gotta be a trade on the cusp. And what team right now could use an outfielder, maybe a center fielder because of an injury, and a starting pitching or pitcher, which the Miami Marlins have an extra one of and been trying to trade a lefty. How about the no, how about the team we started this episode with the New York Yankees? Oh, yeah. Just well, lost but also the Dodgers, the, the yeah. team that we just talked about, too. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, go ahead with Bader getting hurt. Yeah. Bader getting hurt. They need a lefty to add to that rotation. It, Trevor Rogers has been kind of on the block all season. What about like a Brian De La Cruz or a Jesus Sanchez and a Trevor Rogers deal to the Yankees um, would make a lot of sense and kind of clear up for whom do they get though? Oh, you know, some prospect that the Yankees. Well, would never the the anyway. Yan- yeah. Yankee fans are itching to move Glaber Torres to have second base open for for Volpe, but that obviously doesn't fit. I, I think Volpe is going to make the opening roster. Volpe? Yeah. No, Peraza. No. It's going to be Peraza. It's, yeah. Peraza, I, I saw somebody say that, I think it was Peter Gammon said that he thought that Volpe was going to make the opening as a I shortstop, agree. but he hasn't I, started at shortstop. No. Every, they, it's Peraza's yeah, always, Peraza started at shortstop like 75% of the time. There, and Volpe is, started a couple of games at short and then mostly yeah. at second. There's nothing to suggest that Volpe is ahead of Peraza. Peraza's on the 40. Volpe's not. I, I I don't really, outside of injury, to clear a path, I don't see any way that or trade that Volpe makes the roster right now. I don't yeah, see Vol- it. It's Volpe's not. starting regularly at second base this spring, and Peraza and Oswald Peraza's starting regularly at shortstop. So I just, I don't see a way that Volpe makes the team as a shortstop if he's getting innings at second base the majority of the time to me that would that's like a I little mean, bit of malpractice to, to put a prospect in as you're starting shortstop without giving him all the innings at short and you give the all the innings at short to the other prospect that you exactly and peraza can pick short. i yes. think peraza is a better defender and like he's their best defender and eric um Longhagen was was saying the same thing about peraza's Glove there too, and I know you know appeal to authority there, but you know I I, I agree. So when he when he co-signs I mean, what I say, the, it, it the last two the last two games with that uh, Volpe has played March sixth and March fourth, he was the starting shortstop. Yeah, but he started at ago. second. He started at second yesterday, and Peraza started at short. Yeah, get smoked, Justin. What are you looking at? Mm-hmm. You're, cit- you're citing some pretty old games, by the way. No, I mean those are. I mean those are early this week. But I, but I, I mean, Lip- yeah, literally yesterday, yeah. O- Volpe over three at second base, yeah. and Peraza one oh. for three at short. I was looking at Wednesday. I, I lost my days apparently. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I, I, I don't really yeah. see. I don't really see Peraza or uh, Volpe making the roster right now. And like as far as Glaber, you know, they, the Yankees do want Glaber traded. Yankees fans do, I should say. That doesn't really fit the Marlins right now because they're jammed exactly. up the middle. Yeah, yeah. So it would have to be a prospect. I don't know if there's a fit there, but they got to they got to figure out something. And I don't know what's up with these Iglesias and Gurriel deals. But we got to get into some ADP differences here between NFBC the standard drafts. Is this DCs or OCs? Justin? They're DCs. DCs so D- over the last month. DC's over the last month compared to TGFBI. First things first, SP is not rising yet. Um, and, and we say yet because we still think that that's going to happen. That, that is normally more of a main event thing where you see the SPs rise up. Uh, maybe the safety and security, uh, I put that in quotes, I guess, because you never know with pitchers, of kind of seeing your guys make it through spring too because these drafts happen later in the season. That's when people start to say, 
I'm taking my shot on my pitcher here. I got to get my 200 innings or my perceived 200 innings. Do you still believe that that rise will happen, Justin, later in, in uh, main event season? I, th- I mean, I think it will to some extent, especially because we're going to see more issues like Rodon go down. I mean, we've already right lost Tyler Glass now for a little while. Uh, th- there'll be other guys that just fall off, you know, get, you know, Tommy John or or have oblique injuries or, or whatever. Right. Um, and that will just naturally push other guys. Um, I do wonder if the the rise is not going to be as large as it has been in the past. Um, and that's just because the overall depth of the starting pitching pool, especially like the top 50, uh, the quality of the top 50 is so good this year. Uh, it's been good before, you, though. Has anyone done a comparison before to, to previous years of how SPs rise during the year? Because we talk about this, and then when I think we kind of blank out what happened the previous. Because I don't know either, by the way. I'm not, I don't have the answer, but I wonder if anyone has oh, the data. I'm gonna, I'm gonna to, do. Well, I have the data from the last three years because I've done okay. the ADP market reports. So yeah. So can you I'm see how up, it's gone? I'm gonna update the ADP market reports uh, probably starting today, and okay. I will take a look and see if the rise has been less drastic or less slow this year than yeah, it has when, been. Yeah, and when does it really jump? Mm-hmm. Is it really main event season that things happen like that? Um, what about you specifically? Are you going to be pressing starters up later? And when you get in your main event, because you're going to do at least one, maybe two, Yeah, are you going to push SPs up to where you want to get your security? Or do you take advantage of other people doing it and you stock on some more, stock up some more hitters? I think I'm going to do whatever the market doesn't. If the market doesn't start rising these guys, then maybe I will just okay. to be a little bit different. Uh, if the market does begin to rise up these guys, I'm probably, I'll probably just go, you know what? I trust the the depth of the pool and my knowledge of the pool. I, for the most part in my draft so far this year, I've not been taking starting pitching very high. I've, I've been, you know, usually starting off drafts with two or three or sometimes four or five hitters before mm-hmm. I even take my first one, even in 15 team leagues. So I don't mind going that way. And that's been my preferred way to go. But if the market isn't going to value, especially guys like Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole, uh, as highly as they, they should, then I'm going to take a back end pick and I have no problem snagging one of them. I think that's, that's fair to, you know, kind of play it where you can zag uh, against the rest of the market. Eric, how do you play starters? Uh, throughout draft season do you start to raise them later because again that's a bit of a market trend at the nfbc do you stick to your same policies no matter what are you an early sp type of guy well how do you do it with early early starting pitchers so i raised them last year in response and i hated that i did it um (laughs) because my whole thing going in was that i felt like i i felt like i understood the pitching landscape well enough that I could snag a guy early, like a, mm-hmm. you know, an ace quote unquote early that I felt like was a good foundation block for my team. And then I can, you know, wait and get some interesting pitchers that I liked later. Um, and then I, when I saw the, everything rise up, I, I kind of was like, Oh, what if I miss, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I started taking pitching more early and some of those guys didn't really hit for me. And I felt like I moved away from, what I was confident in in my own strategy. So I'm not going to do that this year. Um, I'm still pretty confident where, you know, I take one starting pitcher, let's call it in the first three or four rounds. Um, depends on how the board falls, you know, like in, sure. in TGFBI, um, I, I waited uh, until the fourth round. Um, I like and I your got, top two. I got Wheeler. Yeah, I, I waited. Yeah, you got, so, you got, sorry, you cut out, you cut out there. Wheeler. You got Wheeler, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, it, it just um, cut out. Then, I want to make sure that people heard that you got Wheeler. Yeah. And then I, I double tapped later, um, and I got Severino and Kirby for my 2-3. And, you know, I, I feel pretty good about that that top three. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of feel like that's how I'll, I'll keep playing things is I'll react to the board and see. But, like, there's a lot of guys that I feel okay having as my quote-unquote ace that are that are going super late. Um, and I also read something interesting. Um, Jordan Rosenblum, who writes for Prospects Live, did a compared the uh, projected inning or the, the looked at the starting pitchers um, who were on Jeff Zimmerman's model for like top ten safest arms last year and top ten riskiest arms. And mm-hmm. he, you know, while mentioning that Jeff's model is still like the best possible one that we have right now, that 
the top 10 safest arms averaged 141 innings last year, and the top 10 riskiest arms averaged 143 innings last year. Mm. So we still don't really know what the hell we're talking about with evaluating uh, injury risk pitchers. So like that's where a guy like Severino is dropping down people's boards because he's a quote unquote injury risk. Um, and sometimes that'll play out like glass now getting hurt in the spring, but sometimes it won't like Carlos Rodon for the last two years where he put, you know, had fully healthy years. So I think I'm just going to lean in on, on some of those guys, you know, in like round six, seven, eight, where I just feel like I'll take that gamble. It's almost as if somebody on this podcast says that pitcher safety is a myth. Wow, crazy how that works. Out. But uh, I mean, obviously, pitcher safety is a myth. But but uh, then stop it, citing it because you do and, it all the time. Yes, because uh, but we can't we can't we can't go into a draft thinking that every single pitcher has the same injury risk. Like, but they right? kind of do. It's not a hundred percent equal, and I don't say that. I do still understand that, like a Chris Sale and a Carlos Rodon, I get that they have a heightened risk because of their recent injury history. It's 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 always the guys who are perceived safe. I disagree with that. No, they're not. They're not that much safer than the injury guys. It's it's about the degree, right? Where the perception is that the quote unquote safe guys are up here and the risky guys are down here. I have it more like this, and I stand firm that it's like that. And those numbers kind of bear that out. That's all I'm saying. I, I'd like to see those numbers over the course of years. And if like last year was what an makes you think it would be different. What about pitching makes you think it would be different? What I think make- I think last year there were some guys with some pretty severe in like who I don't know if Eric has the article up uh, and can tell us who was on the top ten of guys who were risky and um uh you know but like Justin Verlander who was probably at the top of that list like dude's a unicorn like it just like I mean I don't think anybody should have expected him to like throw as many innings as he did in in uh in 2022 okay but then like, carlos rodon did too yeah. a, a guy a guy who is, is perceived caught up, as caught up to him a little bit later yeah and he got 178 innings right so it's like I, th- I think the big thing is any if you have an actual concern like i think there's a difference between going like for instance like i think max scherzer is a really good example this year like i i don't think max scherzer has any greater risk than just about any other pitcher this year he's not coming in with an injury he's healthy right now he looks good on the mound right um, but other people would say he's a bigger injury risk because of age or because of uh, whatever. Um, but a guy like Carlos Rodon now, like he has a markedly bigger risk than any other or than the average starting pitcher at this moment. Well, yeah, because of his history, and now he's he, now he's, he's already he, hit. Hurt. Yeah, yeah, he's absolutely. And I I do agree that even before this. Rodon had a bit of a higher risk because of his health profile. Yeah. It's just that you 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 really shouldn't be fooling yourselves into believing that there's safety out there. That's the mm. part that I'm always going to put. Oh back. yeah. No, I mean I don't think there's anything uh, I don't think there is um uh, any any sort of safe starting pitcher by any stretch of the imagination. Everybody cited guys as such. I I think relative to other guys, yeah, I mean I think they're I think you can I think you can trust Sandy Alcantara to throw more innings than t- we expect Tyler Glass now, even prior to the oblique thing, to throw. Um, and so when people were in... I think that's you know, less because of health, though, and more because of, of track record of what Sandy's... It's a track like, record of health. Like, the reason Tyler no, Glass now is not throwing these innings is because... No, 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 because there's other guys that have been healthy that don't get to throw 228. Okay, Corbin Burns over Tyler Glass now, or, um, you know... No, no, no. It'd be more of Tyler Glass, or it'd be more of Sandy Alcantara versus Corbin Burns, is what I'm saying. Like Corbin, Sandy Alcantara has been like a league leader in innings. He's expected to throw more. You expect him to throw more than even Corbin Burns, and Corbin Burns doesn't have major injury risk. Yeah, yeah, sure. But that, that's I'm, what I'm saying there. All right. Well, let's. Right. We don't have enough. Time we, we, yeah, we got to go. We gotta, we gotta, <laughs> let's talk about some guys that TGFBI is higher on. And we know this first one. We, we have some reasons for some of these because things have changed uh, with these guys, but especially with Jordan Walker. And I just want to say, you know, Matt Thompson, out front on this one early, pass that message along to you. 
you started passing that message along to our listeners. So people were listening and bought in and believed that they have the Jordan Walker discounts out there that maybe aren't aren't being so plentiful anymore because he was 214 in DCs for the last month. He's 182 in TGFBI. Eric, are you buying in on Jordan Walker as somebody who's going to break camp and thus should be a top 200 pick? Uh, yeah, top 200, sure. Yes. Um, you know, he's, he's going a lot earlier if you just look at like the last, the last week um, of drafts. But yeah, the top 200, I, I'd buy in. I think he's pushing up like around near 100 in some drafts recently. Um, and so like I have, I have no shares and it's not because I don't want them. It's just because I, I have not been able well, I'm not jumping as high as, as people have been jumping recently. I think there, there will be some, you know, there will be some bumps along the way. Uh, but I, I'm fully invested. I, I fully bought in. And I think if you have an opportunity to get him, you should go for it. Um, you know, if you're looking at like Rotowire online championship drafts since that's, March 1st. That's, so that's what I was looking drafts. at. He's yep. going 127. Jordan Walker. Like, I, I can't minimum. do that at that price. His min is 85 in that right. uh, in those drafts there. Well, wait, let me ask you. If he was announced on the opening day roster, could you do that, Bryce? No. Okay. I mean, then, then, we, then we have a yeah. discussion about what we think his true talent level is. Well, I think – I, I don't know even if it's what we think his true talent level is. I think you're talking about a, a cost right now, which is right around, like, Chris Bryant. Carlos Correa, Reese Hoskins, Anthony Santander, Christian Walker, like depending on where you want to build, how you need to build your lineup, you're talking about like established major league veterans with a track record of success that are locked into at bats. Um, and you guys have mentioned this all the time with, you know, the Cardinals outfield, like there are a lot of guys there. Yeah, um, and Walker is going to get a shot for sure. And I think he has the talent to be a, a really good player. Um, potentially great player, like for his career, but I know everybody is, you know, doing this like, oh, he's rising in the spring, so he's gonna have like a Julio Rodriguez type of, of year, which I I think that's a false equivalence, right? I like agree. what Julio Rodriguez did last year was pretty exceptional and pretty rare for you know a rookie to put up the type of season he did. So I, I think if Walker struggles. Not that they'll send him down, but like no, you know, no, I, I could easily I see they if they and they well, depending on how much he struggles. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I yeah. could easily see rest days here and there, getting Carlson in the lineup, getting you know um, Tyler O'Neill. However, that kind of well, balances Car- out. Car- if Walker's going to start, shut up, Justin. If Walker's <laughs> on this team, I don't think Carlson is. Yes. Oh, yes, he is. It's, Dylan Carlson is so- not going to the minors. That's been one of the right, craziest things that you've said this year. I just think like. Uh, you know, I just think I would rather take the safety and security of some of these hitters going in the range that he's going in versus the total unknown of, of you know, Jordan Walker and what we're going to get from, from a full season. Um, and I do wonder, like, there's no way of knowing this, but if he's outfield eligible on NFBC, not third base eligible, is he going up as high as he's going? Are people using him? as that like position scarcity thing in addition to the prospect type and now it's all piling on. I think you're dead on to something there because that is, that has to be at least a bit of it with Jordan Walker. He'll add that outfield eligibility, but I don't even think that's what people are drawn toward. They're drawn toward the fact that he's third base. And we've talked about third base, how it has those drop-offs. He's now Jordan Walker behind Gunnar Henderson ahead of Max Muncy in that sample that we talked about the last uh, the March at Rotowire Online Championships. That's 19 drafts at pick 130. He's right there ahead of Max Muncy. I'm still on Max Muncy, but I do like Jordan Walker. I'm in. He's having the big spring. I do believe in him. I got the I got the jump thanks to Matt Thompson and Justin passing along the Matt Thompson uh, info there that suggested that he was going to break camp and had a very 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 good shot to do so. Justin, it sounds like you're pretty much in. Uh, as well are you in at this price though or is this a guy that you've done your thing before where you love a guy in the the fall in the winter but then come spring when everyone else is in you pull back are you going to stay in on just jordan walker and and still get some shares yeah i mean i'll i'll stay in until they announce him on the opening day roster like once they announce him on the opening day roster and he starts going the fourth fifth round i I will not be paying that price why um do you not believe in the talent 
I absolutely believe in the talent, but then you're taking him over guys who have just the same amount of talent as him, uh, but have been established as we know they can do that in the major league level. But I, th- I think the false equivalency with a guy like uh, Julio Rodriguez is the fact that Walker's not going to run like Julio Rodriguez can. Um, and that was one of the things that propelled, uh, you know, J-Rod's kind of upside. Uh, That's true. I mean, he, wa- is a, he is a sneaky runner, I will say. Yeah, that. he's not He's not like a slow dude. Like, he's not yeah. a dude who's not going to run. But, like, you're not, you're, not getting, you're not getting 25, 30 stolen bases from the guy. Right. He stole um, 22 last year at, at- – Double yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not saying he's going to do that. I'm not saying Jordan Walker's um, going to do that. I'm just. But I mean, if he's up, he's up. Like they're not bringing him up to like, hey, you're going to get three days off a week. Like he's up to play. He's going to play every day and either prove that he, like, he can hit at the major league level, like he said everywhere else, or that maybe he's not really needs to go back down. Um, I I have no problem with the price. Uh. I haven't taken him as high that high. I haven't needed to take him as that high. Um, and luckily for me, only like two of my remaining four drafts are actual snake drafts. So um, I can, you know, I've got a lot of auctions coming up where I can, you know, kind of dictate whether I'm okay or not with the market price. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's up day one and I think he is very good day one. Um, and I have no problem taking him uh in the top 150 picks though i haven't needed to even tgfbi like i got him like 220 something 220 for jordan walker that's a, that's yeah. a pretty good price there dylan carlson by the way 932 ops in spring just saying um again but I, obviously i like dylan carlson I'm not, I'm not just doing like a meme about like oh because i like him um i i do not see a world where he gets sent down uh it's juan yepes who is going to take the hit there i, I firmly believe mm-hmm. that not even because I'm out on Yepes and think he sucks. I just don't think you you put the DH only guy in the minor. Here, here, I mean, this is another team that needs to trade guys. Like, I mean, true. Like, what is Nolan Gorman doing? Like, what is you know? Um, well, right. they could get a pitcher. Hey, Dylan Carlson to the Yankees. Dylan Carlson. No, no, no. To... Dylan, Dylan Carlson to. Well, I know it wouldn't help Miami, but they do still need a hitter. So I know we're not helping them by like Nolan Gorman to Miami, the Gorman one that you said. I I still am in on that. Gordon for Gorman for Rogers is is still intriguing to me. But we do have to move if we're going to get to the rest of this rundown here. So I will try to keep us in order. Shalmaniah, Adam Velo, Justin. I'm going to start with you on this one because this is your favorite team Um, uh, over there on the Giants. They're pumping some extra Velo into Shalmaniah. You buying it and buying this uh, this ADP rise? Two ninety two in DCs, two sixty three in TGFBI. Where do you stand on Shalmaniah pumping ninety eight? As long as he doesn't get inside like top two hundred, like I think that's still a really really fair ADP and well worth a gamble. Um, I, I still have super huge concerns about the defense behind him. Uh, in the outfield, in the infield, I talked about this on the uh, Rotowire uh, series show yesterday uh, because uh, Jeff was all like, oh, I'm really excited about Alex Cobb. I'm really excited about this guy. And I'm like, don't be excited about anybody because that defense was so the worst bad. in baseball last year and got worse in the offseason. So bad. Um, Benaya has strikeout outside with that velo. So I'm definitely willing to take the gamble, especially at 260. Like, even if it gets to like 230. Like, I don't think that is uh, a price you worry about paying uh, with the potential upside because when his mechanics are right and you add this velo in, who he could turn into a monster. And maybe Sean Manaya gets enough strikeouts to mitigate some of that yep. defensive impact. Eric, where do you stand on Sean Manaya and his velo boost? He did struggle in his second outing, so we got all excited about the first outing. He struggled <laughs> in the second, but I believe that the velo was still it was, strong, yeah. which is all we really care about there as far mm-hmm. as spring training performance. So where, where are you at on Manaya? Yeah, I mean, um, I just think that the two things that work for me are you have an organization with a track record of, um, imp- you know, making improvements with pitchers, getting the most out of pitchers, and you have a pitcher with a track record of performing markedly better at higher velocity uh, in his career. And so those two things are working in favor of saying you're going to get a good version of Shamanaya this year. Now, I think you're going to get a good version of Sean Mania. They're not turning Sean Mania into last year's Carlos Rodon. Uh, you're no. not going to get, like, some massive spike. But, you know, if you're taking him around pick 250, like, to me, that's really great value, and I, I am in on that. Yeah, totally agree there. We're going to skip 
Peraza because we did talk kind of about him. Um, I just think he's going to yeah. break camp. 293 to 268, he is jumping up. He's going to break camp. He's their shortstop. Let's go to yeah, Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, dra- draft Oswald Peraza. Yeah. I'm definitely in on that. Let's go to Gabriel Moreno, though. Arizona's catcher. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's going to be a starting catcher. He is a catcher for Arizona. Eric, let's start with you on Moreno. He's going from 248 in the DCs to 227 in TGFBI. So just a little bit of a jump there. But the dude can hit. And like he kind of looks like a baby Kirk, and we saw how how great things could go with Kirk when he was going. And I don't worry that much that he's not slotted in as the starting catcher. Carson Kelly likely is because I think they can bounce him around a little bit. He's played mm-hmm. other spots. I just wrote up an uh, article yesterday, three breakout catchers uh, that included Moreno and another guy we're going to talk about because he could play some DH, maybe push out his teammate that came along with him in that deal, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. here and there, maybe play a little bit of first base, spell Christian Walker for a day here and there. Not that Christian Walker is going to lose massive time, maybe even get an outfield bid here and there. Like he can bounce around because Gabriel Moreno's bat is so good. I think they got to find a way to get it in. Are you interested in Gabriel Moreno right now in two catcher formats? Because I think that's really the only spot that he's viable right now, unless he does take that job from Kelly. Not at this cost, no. Okay. Um, I you're going to get a, a a plus batting average with absolutely no power, hitting near the bottom of a mediocre lineup. So that's the, part no. that's the part I disagree with. It's yeah, not that is not a mediocre. Lineup. I also disagree with the power. You don't think? Thing, I, but I, like, I love the baby stuff. Okay, a, a, a fine lineup, a good lineup. I would say I'm gonna, fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's good. I, I guess it depends on like if you, but what level of uh, belief you have in JT. I think the Josh Rojas thing is done. Um, J- Josh Rojas, you know, I guess. Suck. Tell I Justin. How you know. dare you? Tell oh. Justin. Josh Rojas um, does. So yeah, that is true. Yeah, Listen, Alex Chamberlain. I believe in a Kettle Marte bounce back. I believe in Corbin Carroll. I like yep. Christian Walker. Like so there Walker. are pieces that I like there. Um, so solid. who knows? I'll say uh, solid. I think, okay, fine. We'll go solid lineup. But he's going to hit toward the bottom. Um, he has not really shown much power in the minor leagues. You know, James Anderson talked about how he also doesn't believe in the power. And, again, I, I, try, to, I try to lean on prospect guys when I have the opportunity, because even if I think I'm knowledgeable of these, you know, top 100 prospects, I don't sit and watch the film as much as, as these guys do. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't think Carson Kelly is going anywhere. Um, and I, I might be biased here. You know, I, I mentioned this before, like I talked in the off season to, to Steven Vogt, who um, was a catcher for the Diamondbacks before. And mm-hmm. I, maybe I'm putting too much stock in what he was saying. Vote says that they love, Carson Kelly, the I way he, the way he, uh, his work ethic, just the, the professionalism. And then another thing that, that Vogt mentioned that I think is something interesting to keep in mind when you're looking at battles like this between rookie catchers and established veterans is that the pitch clock is really going to um, force teams to rely on catchers who are really well prepared because the catchers need to game plan. They need to know how to attack opposing hitters and they need to be able to to make those decisions on what pitch they're throwing and what count and what situation immediately because mm-hmm. they don't have the time to go back and forth and shake off and then go out and do a mound visit and then talk through all of that so i really do think that there's going to be a little bit more reliance especially early in the year on these veteran catchers as opposed to these new catchers who don't have the relationship with the pitchers who maybe don't really know how to game plan at a major league level and now have to do it in a really sped up game environment. So I think that it's going to be a pretty even split, at least at the beginning of the year, until maybe Moreno like carves out a bigger role. Um, but I just think you can get another catcher in a two-team league later who might be able to give you equal to what Moreno's giving you, at least early in the year. I don't even think it's going to be an even split. I think where Moreno can benefit is playing other spots. And that's what I like about him. I think he's a, a, a good enough hitter that he can play some other spots uh, because the bat. Can I ask good. if you like the lineup so much though, who's he pushing out? I just mentioned all, all the guys. Like, first off, I love Guriel, but like, I don't think he's so locked okay. in that okay. he can't it's gonna, be Yeah, it, it would be Guriel. Um, Alec Guriel yeah. a really good spring. I think he makes. Uh, uh, Alec Thomas is going to make the team. We yeah. were wrong about that, and you know, I got roster resourced a little bit, and I'm not shitting on Jason, but Jason Martinez, who runs it. When, when I see it, you know, you get anchored to the thinking there. And we talked about how is there a spot? He's for back in there. He's back in their lineup now. He put him back in there because I think he yeah. realizes that he's the best center fielder on the ball club. That's another thing that I got from Eric Longenhagen that said, "Oh, he's the center fielder. 
he is making this team as the center fielder. I also think that a, a fanboy that uh, people that have been fanboy of Jake McCarthy, I think he could lose some playing time incidentally there too, mm -hmm. with Gurriel going to the outfield, McCarthy sitting and Moreno getting in that way. So I think it, and like I said, maybe one day for Walker here and in there uh, for Christian Walker, not that he's going to lose a bunch of time, but just to get Moreno's bat in, because I do think it is a quality bat, but I agree with you. Kelly is the full, I think he's the dude and it's a two time a week, maybe for Moreno to start at catcher, but it's going to be the DH Avenue. That's going to help him get some extra time let's go to the other catcher uh because you did mention a great point there about catchers who need to be prepared uh, with the pitch clock and everything logan ohapi moved up in tgfbi now i've had an interesting offseason with him i loved him when i saw him at fall league back in 21 and he was on my short-term radar or my my long-term radar for that but he's behind jt romuto then he gets traded to the angels and i put him back up on my radar because now there's a path but then I started to get cold feet because I saw all this talk about Matt Theis being out of options and maybe he was going to take the backup role at, with Matt, with Max Stassi being the starter and push Ohapi down to the minors. Well, now I'm coming back around because Ohapi is playing more as the starter in spring. Um, and I think he's got the stuff to be a catcher who is a young catcher who is prepared, who can handle the major leagues. And I think now he has a great shot to break camp. So I'm kind of back in on Ohapi here as a C2. I think he's got the power. I think he's got the defense to do it. And I wrote this in the article too, because he was he was the other breakout catcher that I had. Uh, Phil Nevin tried to make sure that we don't read too much into him. Consi Ohapi consistently catching Shohei Otani before he left for the WBC. But I, I want to read into it because I feel like they're trying to get him comfortable with the best pitcher on the team so that he's ready to go when they when they have him uh, up uh, on opening day. Justin, where do you stand on Logan O'Hoppy? Because I know I believe you've been in on him as well. But like I said, I've been kind of vacillating between in and out with him. And now I'm back in. You're not in. You're shaking I'm your not head. in. I, I have not been in. Um, I still maintain he does not make the opening day roster. Um, both. I think Stasi's definitely making this opening roster. Stasi is. is. It, it's yeah. Dice. Dice is not out, is out of options, and he's hitting like 350 in spring. I don't think they want to DFA him. Um, so uh, I, I think that Ohapi does not. Can really catch? That's, I think I, that's the question because I, I I was there. Like I said, I, I was there. It's four for 11 for Dice to relax on this. But, but he, you know, he, is, he does have a 10, <laughs> OPS. But, like, yeah. can he actually catch is the real question there. Dude, I don't bro, know. They, they I don't think they're going to put three catchers on the roster. I don't think they want to lose Dice. Like, I'm I saying, think that's – I'm saying Dice ain't a catcher. I, but they're going to have to – who, who's the who's the odd man? Out I know it, I'm seeing it. it too. It's I like it's Brett Phillips is going to make this team as the fourth out. There's no backup outfield. They traded for uh Luz Renhifo. They've got you know what it's gonna Jared be. Walsh is playing like and, unless and, there's an injury and, that and we don't know gonna about. It's gonna yeah. no, we don't know. It's not that we don't know about it, it's that it's gonna happen. But yeah. like you, you shouldn't you shouldn't draft things based on future injury. I grant that. So I'm not saying go crazy for all happy. I, I, I don't know, I man. Don't, don't draft him. I think like, the I talent. I think the talent him. wins. Um, Unless you're getting him late. The problem is the rise, right? Like if you were getting mm -hmm. him your last pick in a draft, then yeah, you go. Hey, if he doesn't oh. make the roster, then I drop him. But now you're getting to the point where there's actual draft capital involved. I don't think you can draft him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I did like him better when Ohapi was was cheap, even though that was when I was kind of off of him, though, with, with the Thice rumors there. So maybe I should just stick with my my concerns about him. But I love the talent. Uh, I'd be careful drafting him, too. I wouldn't be going crazy because I'm seeing right now at, at the online championship in this during March, he's going ahead of Moreno, which I'm definitely not yeah. doing that. Um, yeah. You know, I liked him more when he was going around like Bo Naylor. And, and another young guy that like right. might not make the team type of deal. Andy Rodriguez, another young guy that might not make the team. But well, with the rise, I agree, I am a little bit cautious. I'm just curious to both of you, like we're talking about, you know, waiting. So Ohapi and Moreno, you mentioned in the OCs, are, are going 231 and 232 back to back. Would you take either one over, over waiting to pick, where is it? Um, waiting um, till... 276 for Yasmani Grandal. Oh, I, I do like Grandal. I'll, I'll take Grandal straight up well, over both. Yeah, exactly. And I'll, I'll, I'll take Grandal. And I can wait over 40 picks to do it if I want. Yeah. Um, I, you I know, Jonah like Heim is in the mid 260s 
Um, Jonah straight Hyde. up, yeah. Right. I mean, Jonah even Hyde. like you know, Christian Vasquez, who I don't think is great, is is yeah. late two hundreds. Like they're they're just they're catchers in a two catcher league. I think they're catchers who get forgotten about and are are in the back end of the two hundreds, early three hundreds, who are going to give you put most likely more at bats. Um, and possibly more, you know, value when you're talking about counting stats then too. So I, I, I'm just going to wait rather than buy the rookie hype on these two guys. I think yeah, that's I mean, fair. Rookie catchers have never been an avenue that I'm super hot on, which is funny that I wrote a breakout article that included two rookie catchers. But um, again, with Ohapi, I'm, e- I'm even writing an addendum to that article that I'm not as in on this price jump here. I liked him more when he was cheap, but now that people are jumping in, I'm, I'm peeling back. Um, Justin, what what kind of time do you have here? Can we do the lower ones or we got to call it? If we do a real speed round. All right. I'm going to do each of you get a comment on these and then we go. So I'll start with Justin. TGFBI is lower on these guys. Kendall Graven, 264 to 293. I think it's just because Raylo is probably going to be the lion's share. Uh, What do you think about Kendall Graven? Are you still, because you liked him. You still drafting him? Yeah. I mean, I I think this is the Reynaldo Lopez hype train going kind of just a little bit too crazy. This is going to be a straight committee. I, I probably don't want any piece out of this bullpen. Uh, okay, well, I you were drafting Graven, so yeah, okay. I've, I've at this point I've stopped and like I don't want to play. This is this is going to be changing hands a bunch. I think. Okay, Eric Garrett Whitlock is is moving down compared to the DCs from two seventy eight to two ninety nine. Do you think he gets a starting spot? And if so, are you interested? Yes, and I took him in TGFBI too. So okay. uh, I'm interested. I think he gets a starting spot. I think he's gonna, you know, he'll he'll miss a couple starts at the beginning of the year. So I think factor that into your innings projections. Um, but I think that he is a really talented pitcher. I think that you know he has started. In, he has a minor league track record of you know a decent amount of innings as a, as a starter. So it's not full. He's not a full bullpen guy. He wasn't always a bullpen guy. I think it's important for people to realize. Um, so I think he's locked into that rotation when healthy, um, and I think that he uh, is worth a look, especially going in the late 200s right now. And also, uh, I am in on Reynaldo Lopez. Not I'm in. I'm in on Raylo, Raylo too. I totally agree with you there. Uh, Justin, your boy Jorge Mateo is experiencing a drop from 237 to 257. Um, are you buying back in here? This, this is a guy that. You're on deck, by the way. Um, I, I don't really want I, I didn't want to pay full price for him. Price is coming down. It's still a little higher than I want. He's been dreadful in spring. Where are you at on Jorge Mateo after last year's breakout? I, I still think he plays every day starting out. Like I, I don't know that he's like at a set position, but I think he's just gonna play every day. Like it's not Ramon uh Urias has been awful too in spring. So and uh I just think that. Mateo's ability to kind of play all over the place wins out here and the fact that he had a really good season last year. So uh, well, I'm probably not drafting a, either. He had a good fantasy season last year. He still had like 267 OBP. That is fucking horrendous. Yeah, but like he's still a very good defensive player as well. So adding That's that, all he is. Don't say also as if he's a terrible hitter. He's you're a, a terrible, terrible hitter. I am, but I'm probably as good as Jorge Mateo. How that's the thing. You? Yeah, he sucks at hitting. I'm sorry. It's just the stone cold truth. You couldn't get me to pay for him this year. You're looking for the next Jorge Mateo. You don't buy a guy like this. At yeah, price. and then that's the thing. Like I'm, I'm probably still not drafting him anywhere. But like I do think he plays every day. And I say that as part of a duo that's been hyping him since his New York days. We both loved him, but now that he's done something and the fantasy market's kind of interested, even with this price drop. I'm out. And we'll close it off with you, Eric. Daniel Bard is dropping 126 to 145. Is this just TGFBI uh, that the closers don't have to go up as much because you're not with DCs, closers are drafted differently. So I think that's probably the reason for the change. But where do you stand on Daniel Bard? He had the great year last year, but it's still Colorado. He's 100 years old. Are you even taking Daniel Bard as one of your closers? Uh, Because that's a pretty high price at at pick 145. Yeah, he'd have to drop more. I think the drop is for reasons that you mentioned, and also that he had a really bad outing in the spring and got roughed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people reacted a couple days ago. He pitched again and did fine. Um, but, you know, it's you're just in time, about you're drafting the next Jorge Mateo, like you're in the next breakout. You're, you should be drafting the next Daniel Bard, yep. not drafting Daniel Bard after he had a sub two ERA and, and popped 34 saves. You're, you're not going to get Thank that. You know. Will I draft him if he really falls? Sure, because he's still the closer in Colorado, and I think he'll be fine. 
Um, yeah. But I'm not drafting him at this price. And in fact, you drafted the next Daniel Bard from me because Greg Jewett has been saying the last week that Michael Fulmer is the next and Daniel Bard. And that's why I took him. Um, reliever recon, baby. I it and I waited and I was like, all right, you know, I've got that reliever recon inside info since I write with them. And I'll wait and I'll wait. And I, I waited too long and you, you took him from me. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just wait and draft Michael Fulmer and I won't draft Daniel Bard. Full agree there, Michael Fulmer with the Cubs, working on that sweeper, reliever recon. It's the best money that you will spend on fantasy content. And that includes our Patreon, which I do think you should sign up for. Justin's doing an amazing job with the Patreon, getting the listener league situated. Love all that, but I'll put that second to reliever recon uh, because the information is unbelievable. They are also pumping the Raylo train, which I love. Justin's not as keen on that, but Eric and I are. But Eric, thank you so much for coming on and hanging out with us. It's great talking with you. It's fun being in a draft with you. Where can people find your stuff with your pod and your Twitter? Yeah, thanks for um, thanks for having me on. I always love talking baseball with you guys. You can find me on Twitter at SamskyNYC. Um, I post a lot of, you know, just like regular baseball stuff on there. And then I do content uh, for Rotoballer. Um, so you can find my work there. I'm starting uh, my uh, my yearly series that I do, which is called uh, Pitchers with New Pitches and Should We Care, where I look at uh, pitchers who are throwing new pitches but break down whether it's actually beneficial for them or not. So that'll start up here next week, and I'm doing a lot of preseason content. Um, and you can find my podcast, The Catcher's Corner, uh, available where all podcasts are available. Um, so check that out on, on Apple, Spotify, all that sort of stuff. Awesome. Thank you so much. Justin, what do you got on tap for the weekend? stuff sunday. sunday episode that's what i meant you know i I, I i think yeah i will have a sunday episode i don't know who will be on it i have to check with jason and see if he's okay available. sounds great thank you guys so much for hanging out i'll talk to y'all later take it easy